America for all that we have endured, for all the grit and hard work required to come back, for all the tasks that lie ahead. Know this, the shadow of crisis has passed, and the state of the union is strong. Everybody, welcome to the program. It's called Hip Politics. And you are here for several reasons tonight. And one of those reasons is this is a free speech zone. And you are what's called an independent thinker. You're a free thinker. You're not someone who is constrained by the right or the left. You're not someone who is will allow people to put you in a box. So hence, you have decided to break bread and join us in some great discussion here tonight on Hippolytics. And you can catch us here every Thursday, 8 o'clock. My name is Mark Jarrell. Our producer is Chester Davis Jr., CDJ. Follow him on Twitter at CDJ Live. Follow us at Hippolytics, H-I-P-O-L-I-T-I-X. And a couple of ground rules before we get into tonight's show and discussion. Um, get in the chat room, and if you want to engage, be a part of the discussion through via chat, this awesome media that we call, or medium that we call the chat room, you can get in there, you can roll up your sleeves, you can make it happen, all you have to do is just register at the Blog Talk site really, really quick, just get a username and a password, about 30 seconds, you'll be able to interact with the rest of our chat room junkies and if chat room's not your thing you can go old school you can actually pick up the phone you can actually grab that cell phone you can dial some digits those digits are 805-292-0337 that's 805-292-0337 so you just dial us up and when you do that You'll hear a little voice that'll say, hey, if you want to go live on the air, you hit option one. Or if you just want to listen, you hit option two. So whatever option you choose is fine with us. We're just glad you're here. But we do want to hear from you, so push option one. If you don't, we'll assume that you're just listening, like many other people, which is fine as well. But once the conversation gets heated up, you're going to want to call in. So that's what you'll have to do. All right, so this week, what a week the political world was buzzing. We got set up with little excerpts from a speech called the State of the Union, which comes every year. And those of us that are political junkies and nerds, we wait anxiously to hear all the promises 
that the president will make. And we wait on pins and needles to hear the agenda that's going to be set by the president. We wait to hear and see the reactions of the minority party and the majority party and the speaker and the vice president. And we look for all of these things and we look to see who's going to get the upper hand going into the year. And this year, the first time in six years, I think we got a glimpse of the type of president we would have seen if circumstances were different back in 08. But circumstances were what they were. And typically, we have seen this president on the defensive, almost coming down the aisle with hat in hand, apologetic, not really with the full force and swagger that we saw during the primaries and the general election of 08. But this year, the tide has turned. We have a strong economy. Unemployment is down. We see growth, stock market at an all-time high. And we saw the president come out with all his swagger and all his luster. We saw the guy that we saw we fell in love with in 2008. It was amazing. It was it was nostalgic. I mean, he he was that dude, as we say. And I'll tell you, when you look at the speech, it comes down to seven, yeah, I'd say about seven major areas that he touched on. Um, he was finally able to say the strength of the union is strong. He talked about taxes. He talked about, of course, ISIS. Cuba was part of that speech. Iran, of course. And, and, and Iran, that's going to be an interesting one. We're going to table that for a second because that's going to be big. We're going to be talking about that on the program, but that's going to be big. Um, climate change, of course, he, he, he got there. That was, that was what was going on. Of course, that's his thing. Um, equality he talked about as well. But then we got it, the mother of them all. He did it. He basically threw down the gauntlet. He said he's not taking any more crap. It's over. He gave the GOP the smackdown, and we'll get into that in just a little while. Uh, but he did. He gave the smackdown of all smackdowns. It was something out of all the State of the Unions I've ever watched, listened to, heard. Never heard a smackdown like that. And it was, uh, it was pure Barack Obama. It was, it was who he is. And we finally had a, a chance to see what he's like with his sleeves rolled up, no holes barred. And um, he basically uh, was able to set his agenda. And basically, he's baiting his opposition, daring them basically not to do anything. The Republicans are in control at this point, And they have to prove that they can govern. And it's like he's playing spades. He's saying, listen, you got to come back to me. You have to come back to me. Either I'll veto or you have to work with me. So very, very interesting strategy coming out of the White House. Um, I think he finally has the right team in place. It only took six years for him to get it. But uh, 
Maybe McDonough is in his ear making some good moves. We'll we'll see um, how this plays out because we know that the the GOP they play hardball. You know they're not going to lay down. They have a strategy. It may be pure obstructionism as it's been for the past six years, but I don't know if the American people are going to go for that. Um, I don't know if the American people are going to still go for this uh, repeal Obamacare with nothing to replace it. So they've got their work cut out for them. Uh, we are going to talk to uh, one of the GOP's finest, and I mean that literally and figuratively, uh, Chelsea Henry. She's here, and uh, you guys know her. She's a public policy advisor and political strategist, uh, contributor to uh, Ebony and CNN. So we've got Chelsea, and she's my one of my favorite uh, Republicans. As a matter of fact, I have to say she is, because she's absolutely the best-looking Republican I know, uh, and um, she's very, very smart. So uh, we have her here, but what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break. We come back, we'll bring Chelsea on, we'll get her reaction to the State of the Union, we'll hear from you guys as well. Give us a call, let's get the chat room fired up, you're listening to Hip Politics. we'll be right back. Hip-politics. The free speech zone, where common sense is king. It's called Hit Politics, the coolest talk show in radio. Welcome back to the program. A little too peasy, Tupac. A little thug life action for you. They say the president got a little thug on his uh, GOP uh, opposition the other night at the uh, State of the Union, which was a, uh, you know, I, li- I liked the State of the Union the other night. It, it was shorter than any of the other ones. And it was actually a lot more interesting, and uh, that's what we're talking about tonight. And uh, right now, I'm going to bring on our first guest, uh, Miss Chelsea P. Henry Esquire. Chelsea, welcome back. How are you? Thank you so much. I'm doing fabulous this evening. Thank you so much for having me back on. Absolutely. Uh, My favorite Republican is here. (laughs) <laughs> and Chelsea, I know you you are a fighter and I know you have your boxing gloves on and 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 I know I'm going to take a few shots tonight, okay? So I I'm already prepared. You've I've already got my started. Vaseline on. Hey, I I I hey, I put some shots out across the bow. I know this. But you are someone that is ready. So just just give us just give us an overall before we get into specifics. Give us an overall feel of your reaction to the to the president on Tuesday night? You know, I thought that after six years of being the leader of the free world, after six years of being the president of the greatest country on this planet, that we would have heard substantive initiatives. We would have heard more accomplishments besides the fact that he won two, ran two elections and won. Because at the end of the day, what we saw across the board were new treats, new programs, new initiatives, and we know 
Mark, that nothing is free. And all these things have price tags. Before the State of the Union address, the administration was, was pumping out, we're about the middle class, we're about the middle class. But so many of the initiatives that were shared, the ideas that were shared, many of which, you know, with a conservative Republican Congress, you know, I think that we have to be a little bit more realistic, especially when we talk about increasing taxes, that that's not, you know, that's that's not what we're for. Um, but he kept saying he was all for the middle class, the middle class. He only used the word poverty once in the speech. We didn't hear him talk about Nigeria. There was one line in there about uh, the recent protests and marches. I mean, LBJ talked more about, you know, the state in which the country was in. He was more bold and dynamic about the issues that face black America. And so in so many ways, I expected more. Um, but can I be shocked at the speech that we heard? No. I just continue to be that optimism, optimistic to think that, you know, the president was going to come with more. But instead, what he did come with more of, again, more treats, more programs, and more taxes. And just being a recent law school graduate, um, having student loan debt, trying to get my life started, Mark, I'm scared. I'm scared to even think about, you know, getting married or having kids from the perspective that the amount of debt since the president's been in the office, he's added $7.5 trillion more worth of debt, trillion dollars. And so this is debt that I will have to carry. It's debt that my children are going to have to carry. It's debt that my grandchildren are going to have to carry. And, you know, with all these tax increases, it's not that I don't want to help people because I believe in helping people, and I know that's why I am where I am today. But it's also doing it in a matter that respects the fact that you're spending other people's money. And at the end of the day, the government runs on our money, the citizens of the United States. And I don't think that that has been clearly um, appreciated, clearly understood by those making the decision within the Obama administration. Chelsea, one of the things that you touched on, you, you talked about the president not really addressing the issues that face black America. And, and I really yeah. think that's interesting because one of the things that I've noticed, and I want you to, to, to help guide us through this from the GOP perspective, tell me, I, I, have, never, I, I have yet to hear, and, and we've had uh, uh, many, many, I, I love having my Republican friends on this program um, because, frankly, you guys are um, really uh, much more um, unfiltered unencumbered and, and, and really a lot more interesting, uh, really have to go by the constraints of being politically correct all the time. So I, I love having you, you guys on the program, but I have yet to hear anyone clearly articulate a the plan that the Republican Party has laid out specifically for black America. I've never heard it. What is the Republican plan for black America? What, what, what is it that you guys want to do? You know, that is a great question, Mark. So there are several things we want to do. Um, as you know, African-American men, men are one in three times more likely to go to prison versus their white counterparts at one in 17. And so being an attorney, loving the law, 
one of the things that the Republicans have been very forward in leading the way in is criminal justice reform. I mean, and we can even talk about recently with bipartisanship between um, Rand Paul and Cory Booker's two senators with the Redeem Act. You have several other examples I could go through in terms of criminal justice reform. I actually wrote an article about it at Ebony.com, and it goes through many of the different initiatives that are taking place, the legislation that's been proposed, that's been voting on, and moving forward in the criminal justice system. So, one, we're looking at the criminal justice system. Two, I must give a huge shout-out to Senator Tim Scott. And, you know, he's made history, but most importantly, the bills and legislation that he proposes and gets passed, um, like his school choice um, bill that passed for National School Choice Week that passed um, this week, not only that, he has bills to increase the, to increase opportunities for minorities, you know, job training, understanding that not everybody wants to go to college. And so making sure that these opportunities are available for African Americans. And the story of Tim Scott is very moving, one similar to mine, growing up with a single mom. So he gets it. And so as you talk about the GOP agenda, you have, we have, the, America has, GOP legislators that are going out and implementing policies that directly affect the African-American community. And so jobs and criminal justice reform are just two of the pillars in which what we're doing and what we will continue to do. Well, let's, let's talk about, and, and I think Chelsea, I'll tell you this, that's probably one of the, one of the best answers that, that I've heard from your side of the aisle as I, as I've talked to people I think one of the challenges that a lot of the black Republicans face is actually gaining more influence with the base to be able to 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 um enact and and really influence the base into understanding that there is a need for an african American agenda because if you're going to reach out like uh you guys have been talking about for so long, reaching out to minorities, reaching out to women, reaching out to black people and Latinos, if you're going to do that, then you have to come with something in hand. You have to have a plan, a specific plan, and not a general plan. But uh, I'll tell you, you, you talked about Tim Scott, and I'm somebody that loves Tim Scott's story as well, you know, and I and, and obviously he's someone that uh, everybody's looking forward to, and I, and I hope he's going to be a different kind of Republican, that type of Republican that's going to not be an, an obstructionist. And that's what we've seen. For well, he's so already long. shown that. He's already laid a groundwork. Here's what happens, though: the leadership has the power to either squelch it or let him run. And, and we're going to see how Mitch and that and that crew, what they decide and how they decide to use him, and how they decide to use Joni Ernst. And we'll get into her um, in just a little while. And, but, uh, you know, we're, we're going to see the way you guys use this. And, and I want to know, in 2015, are we going to get the same stuff? Are we going to be – Are we going to be? how will the Republican Party govern? Are we going to be talking about repealing Obamacare? And if so, what are you guys going to replace it with? Well, when we look at the Congress, you know, to your comments in terms of how leadership will use – 
the increased diversity that we experienced this past midterm election, um, I think it presents a great opportunity for the Republican Party. I wish I had hourglass, or better yet, um, I wish I was there on the Hill and I could advise them. But my hope is that they will be smart. Because at the end of the day, the increased diversity that we see in Congress based off of the 2014 um, midterm elections is bringing us closer to that place where we represent the demographics of America. And I think that's important um, because humans, we tend to attract to those who look like us. We attract to those who have similar stories to us, to those that we can relate to. And so as the diversity of Congress continues to become more diversified, it's a better representation of America, and it's going to help um, better and improve the legislation that passed because you'll have more thoughts. Um, And so those are my hopes, and that's my projection, is that we're going to see the diversity become a benefit, and as a result, more people will once again have trust, or at least some trust, in the government. Hey, I'm going to play a clip. I think Chester liked that one, Chelsea. You got me on that, huh? But uh, <laughs> I'm going to play a clip from the president and uh, from the speech the other night, and I, I want to get your reaction to this. So here's the president, and uh, give me your reaction when we're done. Now, the truth is, when it comes to issues like infrastructure and basic research, I know there's bipartisan support in this chamber. Members of both parties have told me so. Where we too often run onto the rocks is how to pay for these investments. As Americans, we don't mind paying our fair share of taxes as long as everybody else does too. But for far too long, lobbyists have rigged the tax code with loopholes that let some corporations pay nothing while others pay full freight. They've riddled it with giveaways that the super rich don't need while denying a break to middle class families who do. This year, we have an opportunity to change that. Let's close loopholes so we stop rewarding companies that keep profits abroad and reward those that invest here in America. So, Chelsea, is is this a place? Now, this is something that I've heard Republicans talk about for years, closing loopholes. Is this this an area where we can get some compromise Are we are we back to the same old shenanigans? Are we back to the same old games? Is it is it the shell game? I think that there is this is the time where we will see some tax reform. You know, if it was in a perfect world in a utopia, I think that we would just rewrite the entire code, um, and it would be a simpler code that everyday Americans can understand. Everyday Americans can understand um, to the effect that when it's time to that file taxes. They're not having to go take a whole nother class um, to do that. However, is support on both sides for tax reform. It just comes to how are we going to get there and what does that look like? And I think that with this Republican Congress, we're going to see, and I'm hopeful we will see some reform that will be meaningful. Uh, what that will look like, I mean, that's going to be left up to our Congress of what those exact details are going to be. But I do believe that there are some areas in our in our tax code that can be reformed. Um, 
And, you know, but I will say this. What bothers me often when I hear this is that we're always talking about, you know, closing loopholes, you know, whether it's for corporations or for rich people, which, okay, I think there's some things on that portion. But I think the bigger conversation should be what are we doing for the middle class? What are we doing for low-income families? What are we doing for those in poverty regarding the tax code? Whenever you hear it, it's always about the negative. What about the positive that can be done with this? And I will add this caveat, Mark. What's interesting about the president's remarks is that, I mean, he's been in office six years. His own party can't get a budget passed. And so we want to push and blame the Republicans, saying the Republicans want to continue to have, you know, the rich get richer, you know, as if if that's our motive, which it's not. We want our people to be helped. We also just want to be smart with our monies and be responsible and understand that our monies does not have to pay for the lack of um, responsibility of another person. And so I think there's multiple issues if we dive down into this and but we have to get away from, you know, the negative perspective. What are we going to do? What are the Democrats, you know, what are the Democrats doing? What are they going to do besides offer more free treats to those in need? Everybody, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Chelsea Henry. Uh, we're talking about her reaction to the State of the Union tonight. We've got a few more minutes with her. I want to take a quick break, and then um, I'm going to take a really, really quick break and um, come back with more Chelsea. But uh, before I do, Chelsea, there's one thing I wanted to tell you is that I know earlier you said you're, you're scared when it comes to Obama. You're You're scared. And, and and I know a lot of people out there are, are are feeling the same way as you. I'm not I'm not as scared as you guys, particularly when it comes to the president. But I will tell you, I know you're a woman of faith, so I I, I wanted to give you this scripture, and maybe this will, will help calm you down a little bit, right? <laughs> maybe it'll calm I'm you listening. down a little bit for the rest of my Republican friends out there, right? You know what Second Timothy one and seven says. You know what that says? It says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of instruction. So keep that in mind, Chelsea, as we continue this conversation. Everybody listening to Hip Politics, we'll take a quick break and we'll be right back. Everybody, welcome back. It's Hip Politics. Talking to one of my favorite Republicans tonight, Chelsea Henry. And Chelsea, you're not really a Republican. You're a conservative. You're not really a Republican. 
you know, you're you're, you're a con- you're a conservative, but I I know how I know how you feel because sometimes you you probably have one foot in, one foot out, you know, you can't go all the way over to the Democrats. That's why I'm an independent because I can jump back and forth, you know, I can be like a chameleon, I can wind in and out. So it's a, it's, a, it's great, you know. I I think everybody should try the the uh, independent approach. My mom is an independent. I'm an independent. I think we love it because no one has has any, uh, um, you know, supreme reign over our thoughts. You know what I mean? So anyway, reaction to the State of the Union. Chels, um, I, I, I'll tell you, this was, I only have a few more minutes, right? But this was the great, this was awesome. This was awesome. I, I gotta play it. What part about and this was awesome? This, 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 you don't want to hear it, right? This hurts. I, I tell, I know it hurts. I know what, it hurts. He but ran I have and to won it. two elections. Are we still going to continue to post that all over Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram? We know. Of course. I of have course. no more campaigns to run. My only agenda. <laughs> I know because I won both of them. Chelsea, come on. You have never heard that before Listen, in that way. If there, if there was something that was true that the president <laughs> ha- has done and was not a new free initiative to the American people, it was that line right there because he did run two elections and he won. Chelsea, you, you, like, you like that. You did like that, and I, I know you did. I know you were like, Listen, oh, that he, hurt. I know, I know all the black Republicans well, were texting at that very moment <laughs> saying, oh, my God, can you believe it? Holy cow, you and Orlando Watson, I know, were going back and forth, <laughs> weren't you? Tell the truth. <laughs> Listen, it was a great line. I mean, and it was I was a great line. this the other day. It was a great line. You know, I shared this the other day, and I think that it's important for people to understand this is that the president is the president, and I respect the office of the, you know, and honor the office of the president. And so as I share my feedback, this is about the policies. These are about the policies that he's implemented over the past six years and how they have affected, negatively affected me, family, and continue to neg- negatively affect America. And so we have to get to this place, even though we may be, well, you're in the middle, but as we span different, you know, the spectrum of political parties that we come back to the center and we say, okay, where can we come to agreement on? Where is the line? Where is this area where we can come together and we can do things that positively affect Where America? was this six years ago, Chelsea? Where, where was this in 08, 09, 2012, this kind of talk was 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 nowhere in the. You know what? What we heard before previously. You know what we heard? We're gonna do everything we can to make him a one-term president. We're we're not gonna work with him. We're not gonna do anything. So now we. But we I mean, after come on now. Hey, look, I only have a couple minutes. This is what I want to do. One, I want you to tell me who's gonna be the nominee coming out of the GOP for sixteen. Mm-hmm. Who who's it gonna be? If you had to bet. Listen. Oh, no. I, well, I don't bet. This is what I'll tell you. <laughs> when I look at the front runners for the GOP, 
because I'm waiting on platforms. Listen, just because someone's out there, I want to know what they're going to do for me and for America. And so front runner, we have Jeb Bush right here from the great state of Florida. He was an amazing governor. Is Jeb going to be the nominee? Is he going to be the nominee? Jeb has a very good chance of being the nominee. Is he your guy? But we also we also have to look at we have Rand Paul who's looking into this. You have Scott Walker who's looking into this. Um, you know, we don't know what Mitt's gonna do. So we have a bench. You have Mike Huckleby, you have Marco Rubio. Well, of course you all are not hey, going to like any look, of these people. We know, we know what Mitt's going to do. Chelsea, we know what Mitt's going to do. He's going to lose. We don't so, know. Let, let's, let's do this real quick. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. I want to do uh, rapid fire with you. I want to do a word association. I'm going to throw out a name, and I want you to give me the first thing that comes to your mind, okay? The very first thing, okay. one word. Chris Christie. Hugger. <laughs> Mitt Romney. Passionate. Hillary Clinton. Liberal. <laughs> ben Carson. Intelligent. Rand Paul. Reformer. We're going to leave it there, my friend. I always enjoy talking to you, Chelsea. You know it. Thank you and, for uh, having tell me on. Tell them how they can follow you. All right, tell them how they can follow you and uh, where they can catch you. Absolutely. Twitter, Instagram, I am Chelsea P. Henry. It's C-H-E-L-S-I-P. Henry, H-E-N-R-Y. My website is ChelseaPHenry.com. Um, would love to stay in contact. Shoot me an email. Share your thoughts. I'm always open for discussion. And stay on the lookout because I write for Ebony and I'm writing for more organizations as well this coming year. And you're also the best. Appreciate you, Chelsea. I'll talk to you soon, okay? Take care. Everybody, that's Chelsea P. Henry Esquire now. Congrats on that. And uh, regular contributor here on Hip Politics. Uh, Coming up next, everybody, we've got the man, Jordan Goodman financial expert. He's going to help uh, us break down how the president's going to pay for all this stuff. Uh, we'll take a quick break, and then we'll talk to Jordan for a few minutes. You're listening to Hip Politics. We'll be right back.
Okay, people, we're back. A few minutes left. Uh, great first segment. Uh, I want to thank uh, Chester. I see you guys in the chat room. Again, if you want to interact in the chat room, don't forget, just register. The blog talk site, that's all you got to do. Get a username, password, 30 seconds, boom. And then you can, you know, add your comments. I'll read those comments. I might even respond to those comments because you know why? I'm that kind of guy. I appreciate you being here. You're part of my family. I love you. So that's the least I can do. Um, and you can also call me. You can say, hey, Mark, this is how I feel. I got to get this out. So that number is 805-292-0337. We're talking about the State of the Union and reaction to it. And I'll tell you, so the president had a bunch of proposals, and, you know, we got to pay for them. He's got to pay for them. The country's got to pay for them. This generation, next generation, 10 generations, we don't know. But we've got to find out. And I brought the man in to let us know it's Jordan Goodman. Jordan, what's happening? Thank Great you. Great to be with you, Mark. How are you? Great right. to be with you, yeah. He had a lot of proposals. He had a lot of proposals. Right. I know. But he do, you're right, he does have to pay for these things. And basically what he's trying to do is to tax the rich to pay for the middle class. I mean, I could give you the details, but that's the overall strategy. Uh, doing this at a time when he knows there's a Republican Congress that's the strongest Republican Congress since, I think, 1942, that's not going to go for any of this. So he's doing it for purely political posturing because he knows all the tax increases he were proposing are beyond dead on arrival. <laughs> they never lived before they were, you know arrived because uh, he knows they're not going to go for any of that stuff. So it's, well, it's purely well, positioning for the Democrats. Puts, right, but do you think that puts the Republicans in a position to where they have to put proposals out there? Because now the president set the agenda when it comes to the middle class, so yeah. they're going to have to say, they're going to have to serve something up to the people. Correct. Well, for example, the Ways and Means Committee, the House Ways and Committee, which is now run by Paul Ryan, uh, is going to have a tax bill. The, the previous Congress, Dave Camp, who had been the head of Ways and Means, did put together a tax proposal. It didn't get out of the House because the Senate was controlled by Harry Reid and the Democrats. Now that the Senate is controlled by Mitch McConnell, it probably will pass the House and the Senate, the tax proposal they're talking about. And it couldn't be, not be more diametrically opposite from what President Obama proposed in the State of the Union. They're like in two different universes, so let basically. Me, so let me guess, Jordan. Let, let, let me guess. Let me guess. Let, let me go. Hold on one second, all right? I've got to go to page 32 of the Republican playbook, which okay. says we have to do something with entitlements, right? That's the that's the name of the chapter. Is that is that where we well, go? Well, that, that's not on the tax side. That's on the spending side. But on the okay. tax side, okay. they have a different view. I mean, there's, there's the, in order to get the deficit down even further, the deficit is down two-thirds from what it was. At the peak, the deficit right. was about $1.3 trillion, and now it's down to about $500 billion, which is still a big number, but it's a lot less than it used to be. And that's mm -hmm. partly because of spending cuts, like we've had the sequester, and partly because the economy has gotten better, and that produces more tax revenues for the government when the economy is better. So it's been a combination of spending cuts and tax uh, tax revenues going up because the so, economy is so tough. we're closing loopholes. We're we're going to close loopholes. Do do we all agree on that? Well, basically, what the Republicans are saying is to lower the tax rates, both on corporations and individuals, and to close loopholes. That's correct. In other words, to take away a lot of the special exemptions uh, from corporations, what they call corporate welfare, uh, 
and individuals mm-hmm. as well. And in return for that, if you lower the tax rates, I think that's something that would be doable. I think companies would agree to something like that. We have the highest corporate tax rates in the world right now, 35%. Now, not that a lot of companies pay that because they find ways around it and tax loopholes and so on, but officially we have a much higher rate than any place in the world, and so it makes us very, very uncompetitive. And as a result, over $2 trillion is being held offshore by all the major U.S. companies, GE, Apple, you name it, they're holding money offshore, because if they brought it back here, they'd have this huge tax. They're not about to do it. So we're keeping investment from this country by our high tax rates, and that's what the Republicans are proposing doing. Now, President Obama has said he's willing to go on the corporate tax rate from 35% is now to 28%. The Republicans want to go to maybe 25 or 20 but there is room for compromise there. That's a potential place they could do it. But it was interesting, in the State of the Union, President Obama did not talk about corporate taxes. He only talked about personal taxes, where he talked about raising the capital gains rate from 20% to 28% and increasing estate taxes dramatically, super dramatically. I mean, it was kind of hidden in the language, but what he's talking about is eliminating what's called the stepped-up basis. Now, that means when you die, the basis of your stock or, or assets is um, brought up, stepped up, to the price on the day you die. So say you bought a stock 20 years ago at $10 a share, and when you die, it's worth $100 a share. That $90 a share gain is never taxed because the basis is stepped up to $100 when you die for your kids. So that's what he was talking about eliminating. That would raise billions and billions of dollars but a lot of people don't like that idea. So they have completely different views on the tax side as right. to how to uh, change things. So, so tell me this then. Hel- help me connect these dots because we're we're talking about taxes and then we're talking mm-hmm. about on the, the tax side, spending side. Um, yep. But somehow we got to get back to the middle class because right. it looks like you know we we we've got um, we, we've got the the the, the Almost billionaire Mitt Romney now. He's the champion of the, uh, you know, the, the the less fortunate. You know, he's running around now. He he is the. Um, I guess well, that's the way you, you know get elected. You get elected by uh, being I'll, the person right. of the middle class, right? I'll tell you. I'll call him the Elizabeth Warren of the right. How about that? <laughs> exactly. That, that's, <laughs> that's, that's, right. that's my that's my guy now. So, you know, <laughs> so tell so tell me how how we get to the middle class. What what type of uh, where should where should we be? How I'll we tell you what. The middle class. class. What are we going to do with wages? The middle class does better when there are more jobs at higher wages. And what's been happening is the jobs we have been adding jobs, but in general they've been lower wage or temporary or without benefits, not high wage jobs for the most part. Some, but not that many. So that's the problem for the middle class right now is, is jobs that have decent benefits and decent pay. The way to do that is to encourage companies to invest. You have to have capital before you have labor. Okay? And what I'm just saying is all these companies are keeping this $2 trillion offshore are not investing in the U.S. Okay? Just to give you an example, infrastructure. Now, this is something which theoretically both sides should agree on. We have lousy infrastructure in the United States compared to what's going on in China and other kinds of places. We need to be investing in infrastructure to make us more competitive, and we are not doing that right now, okay? There's a, uh, President Obama proposed a $150 billion infrastructure bill, and the Republicans basically want to build the XL pipeline, so they're not going to agree on, on either of those, frankly. They're going to pass a bill, right. the XL pipeline, which we President Obama's going to veto. Pipeline. We need that bad. Well, I do think we need it. I think it. it's 35 jobs from that. <laughs> no, no, we it's going to be a good amount of jobs, but 
the point is it's a, become a political pawn. Okay, the Republicans are going to pass it. President Obama is going to veto it, and that's the end of the infrastructure discussion. You know, we really do need infrastructure. We got buildings and bridges and roads crumbling all over the place. So that's an example where it would create high wage jobs to fix up the infrastructure, and it would make us more competitive in everything, in airports, in the ports, roads, bridges, all these things. I, I, I saw a story in the Wall Street Journal recently about what they're doing in China. They've got all these multi-billion dollar projects to do huge bridges and new fast trains and ports and just all kinds of things. We're, we're looking really pretty pathetic <laughs> compared to China, and that's something we should be doing. There's no agreement on that kind of thing. So that's the kind of thing that brings middle-class jobs, both in building the infrastructure and then the increased productivity that comes from having better infrastructure. But when you talk about investment, I mean, I mean another word for that is, is we have to spend, right? And well, in the right way. The That's correct. Right. Okay, but That's a right. lot of the guys on the right want, want no spending. So, well, I, I mean, no, I, no, no, you want, you, you want to encourage private spending, not a lot of government spending. Government. Okay. Okay. So, okay. okay. So if you just have government spending, the government doesn't have any money. The government gets money from the people, from the businesses and individuals. Okay. The government is like a pass-through mechanism. The government does not have money. Okay. It, it either taxes it or borrows it. It doesn't create anything itself. You know, the Defense Department does not create money. Okay. It spends money. Okay. But the private sector is where wealth is created. So if you get the private sector to invest in new plants and equipment and you know airlines buying new airplanes and you know UPS buying new trucks and Walmart building new stores that's where jobs are created in the private sector okay and we are because the corporate tax rate is so high it's a disincentive for these companies i'll just give you a good example apple computer apple okay they make all these iPhones and iPads, where do they make them? In China. Okay, Foxconn is the company that makes all these things there. They design them and they market them here, but they don't make a single iPhone or iPad or anything in the United States. We should be doing that kind of stuff here, but we're not competitive because we don't have modern factories and our wage structure is too high as well. So that's the kind of, that, those would be good middle-class jobs if people would be building these kind of things in the U.S. Remember, we used to build TVs. In the U.S., remember there was Zenith, those kind of things. We have lost all of those jobs to Asia for the most part, where they have high wage, uh, high quality companies making electronics. That's an example of an industry this, that we've lost. And, and my, my, I've always thought, Jordan, we've lost all these jobs because you don't have to pay those people over there. I mean, the the, the short of the the, the long. Well, the wages are lower. I agree. The, the, the wages are lower, but the, the productivity is higher so, too. The productivity is higher and the wages are lower. So we're, what you're saying, if I hear you correct, you're saying that somehow those guys, the the, the corporations, are going to say, "Hey, I'm going to, we're going to bring everything back to America and pay the American worker, uh, um, you know, astronomical well, wages." Not astronomical, you know, and, and, but that has been happening. There have been quite a few American companies that have brought manufacturing back to the U.S. when the wages are moderate. And, and they're more productive. And that, that has happened to some extent, but not enough. We still have a lot of uh, so jobs in Mexico and China. Productive? When the is, Americans is the, are more productive, correct. More productive than, than uh, people overseas? Is that what we found out? If given the right equipment, yes, they can be, yes. Um, and you don't have 
the, the shipping costs and all that of doing things in China. The wage disparity was so great that the Chinese wages were like one twentieth of the U.S. wages. They'd almost have to be crazy to try to manufacture in the U.S. Now that has right. disparity has narrowed because Chinese wages have come up and U.S. wages have come down to some extent. So there have been some manufacturing jobs that were overseas that have been brought back here to some extent, but not close to enough that we need to keep the middle class in high-paying jobs. Gotcha. Hey, Jordan, hang on, man. We want to take a quick break. I want to come sure. back to you. I, I, I want to talk about, uh, I, I want to talk about taxes, uh, uh, taxes a little bit. All right. I'm sorry, not taxes, interest, interest rates. That's okay. where I want to go with this thing. Sure, they're so plunging. Give me, give me a quick second. We've got to talk about rates. I'm going to see if I'm going to be nominating you for the head of the Fed. Uh, I'm, I'm up for it. Gotta hang on first, man. All right. <laughs> All right, everybody. We got uh, Jordan Goodman on the line. Listen, no, no. Everything from politics to pop culture. We'll be right back with more hip politics. politics for all you independent and free thinkers out there this hour is going by so freaking fast uh having a great conversation had chelsea henry on earlier talking about the state of the union now i have the expert jordan goodman uh financial expert jordan listen rates where are we going with these interest rates obviously lower. um we're going <laughs> a lot lower huh? Okay, there was a dramatic <laughs> event a today. More, huh? <laughs> there was a dramatic wow. event today in Europe where the European Central Bank, Mario Draghi, uh, did a new quantitative easing, the QE program that we just finished. They are now starting a new quantitative easing program to bring interest rates down even further in Europe to try to get their inflation up and to stimulate their very, very soggy economy. Now, we did it here, and it worked by bringing interest rates down. And then they stopped doing it. The Federal Reserve created about $4.5 trillion in net new money doing that quantitative easing from the end of 2008 to October 2014. And then they finished the program. And now they're starting to do it in Europe. They're doing it in Japan. They're doing it in China. This is bringing interest rates down. Now, literally, in Europe, interest rates are negative. Not zero, less than zero. If you put money into a Swiss bank, you give them a dollar, you get back 99 cents on the dollar. <laughs> you don't earn anything. You pay them for the privilege of holding your money. That's how low interest rates are in Europe. So in the United States, you know, we get basically zero in money market funds and CDs, things like that. The long-term treasury bond in the United States is about 1.8%. That's a 10-year treasury is 1.8%, basically the lowest we've ever seen in our lifetimes. Now, this is causing tremendous pain amongst savers in the U.S. We are punishing savers to reward borrowers. That's what's happening here. So, and I hear this from people all the time. Where can I put my money 
that's not going to give me zero, basically. CDs, money funds, treasury bills are at zero. You know, if, it, if it helps at all, Mark, I'll tell you what I'm doing. Uh, I do something called commercial mortgage bridge loans, where you get a guaranteed 6% yield over one year. You get monthly checks, and at the end of the year, you get your money back. These are loans made to high-quality commercial real estate companies like hotels and shopping centers and office buildings. They use it to renovate their product, their properties, and then they pay the interest. You get your money back. It is completely guaranteed. Uh, it's very, very conservatively done. And there's a way of getting 6% instead of zero. Uh, a website, if people want to find out more about that, would be commercialmortgagebridgeloans.com. And there's a way, you know, a lot of people are earning nothing on their money, literally, and they're falling behind. They're, the cost of living is going up, and they're earning nothing on their money. So that's the direction interest rates are going lower. Wow. Wow. I'll tell you, um, I only have a couple of seconds left, Jordan. And I'll tell you what, you dropped a lot on us tonight. There were a lot of roads that uh, I wanted to take this conversation. I just can't because of time. All right, we'll do it again. But, I have a uh, website, by the way. I'm glad to take emails from your that, folks. Moneyanswers.com is my website. What you do. Give, give everybody um, uh, information on how they can sure. get in touch with you. And, so and my website out. is moneyanswers.com, moneyanswers.com. I'm known as the Money Answers Man because I answer people's questions on financial topics. There's loads of resources and websites and phone numbers and videos and all kinds of things to help people in all aspects of their personal lives. While the politicians are playing, you can do some really good things. I'll just give you one example. You can pay your mortgage off in five to seven years instead of 30 years on the same level of income you have today using what's called mortgage optimization, a strategy you will never hear about from the banks. Okay, That's something right there. There's a lot of things that the average person does not know that's never taught in school or anywhere else. They can really benefit your personal finances. So I've got them all at MoneyAnswers.com. Awesome. Jordan, thanks so much for jo uh, joining us tonight, man. I really appreciate it. Got to have you Great. back. Be glad to do it, Mark. Right. Thanks so much. Okay, take care, my friend. Very good. All right, everybody. Goodman, I'll tell you what. Whenever we're talking money, you got to listen. Here it's wide open tonight. Don't forget, check them out. MoneyAnswers.com, Jordan Goodman. Uh, pay off that mortgage in five to seven years. I'll be on the site this evening um, when we sign off. Great, great, great show tonight. Loved it. Loved it, loved it, loved it. Jordan Goodman came in, wrapped things up, talked about how we're going to pay for this or how uh, basically the president's plan, how he's going to pay for some of those proposals or, or not pay for them. But I think the, the major thing that came out of this evening is, guess what? We're going to have to get from both sides some proposals, and the American people are going to get some choices finally. So the, uh, the age of obstructionism, to a certain extent, may be over. Uh, we're looking at a president who um, ha has found his voice, found his rhythm, is on the offense, as he said a couple of uh couple of years years uh, a couple of weeks ago and uh yeah there's a bit of gamesmanship going on obviously um both sides are jockeying both sides are playing chess they're maneuvering and uh i i got a feeling that it's gonna do nothing but benefit the people because uh you, you can't play uh you, you can't slow down the offense anymore um they've got to try to score points going into 2016 they've got to set up both sides have to set up you know, the president is setting up for his guys and, um, you know, the Republican-controlled Congress have to set up for their guys. So we're going to see how that works 
Uh, I didn't get a chance to talk about Joni Ernst tonight. I wanted to get into that a little bit with Chelsea, but uh, time ran really short. Uh, we'll talk about that, but um, I'll tell you, we're living in some interesting times all the way around. As Jordan touched on, <laughs> interest rates are going lower. <laughs> and uh, I'll tell you, it's hard to earn anything on uh, your money right now. But uh, don't forget, check him out. Check out his website, moneyanswers.com. Also, commercialmortgagebridgeloans.com. Uh, he says uh, he's uh, earning 6% yield on that. So that's fantastic. Um, I'll tell you. We are here every Thursday, people, 8 o'clock. Check us out. Next week, guess what? Have you guys heard of Morehouse? Yes, that Morehouse in Atlanta, where they say they are Morehouse men. Well, guess what? They've got a Republican chapter down there. You guys know how much I love talking to Republicans. So we're going to bring on the president of uh the uh, Morehouse College Republicans will be on next week. Then I got another surprise guest. And coming up, guess what? My man DMC of Run DMC will be here um, sometime in February for Black History Month. Uh, we'll have DMC here. We've got, we've got some great guests lined up. Thank you, Chester. You're the man. You've been working really, really hard, man. You deserve a raise. You're going to go from zero to zero. <laughs> but anyway, um, want to thank everybody for joining us tonight. Really appreciate you. You guys in the chat room, should have got a username and password, man. I would have would have loved to have chatted with you. But next week, tune in. We will chat it up, or you can call me, and we'll make some things happen. All right? Don't forget, check out hippolitics.com. Go to blogtalkradio.com for the archive show. Uh, you can blast this out. Check us out on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter and everywhere else we are. If you get lost, just Google Hippolitics. My name is Mark Jarrell. They call me the Hippolitician. Thanks for everything, guys. And as I always say, never settle for the status quo. Keep reaching for the sky. That's what Hippolitics is all about. Until next week, peace and love. Changing the game in talk radio. Bringing you the best guests and hottest topics. Hip Politics. Talk radio just got better.